Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, I had an interesting occurrence happen a couple weeks ago. I've I've got a house and I rent out uh, a couple apartments in the house. Not the house I live in. This is just uh, a house I used to live in, and now I rent it out. A couple came over to take a look at the apartment that I had for rent. And it was a, a younger man in his 20s and his his girlfriend, who was going to be his future wife, and they were looking for a place to move in together. Got to talking with them, and I said, oh, what do you do? And uh, I thought I'd give you guys a heads up on what's going on out there. Well, he says his company provides the badges for conventions. So they will organize the badges and inside each badge at some of these conventions, and most of the big conventions this would be the case, they put a chip in the badge, probably an RFID chip, inside the badge, which will track you everywhere you go in the convention center. It'll track where you go, how long you stand at a certain location. It'll identify the booth that you're visiting, and uh, it'll track you throughout the convention, which I thought, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. But then he went on to say, he said, so we're tracking you inside the convention center, but in addition to that, we have devices out around the city where the convention is taking place, and we also track the people when they leave the convention center and when they walk around the city. And so they're identifying everywhere, as long as you have your badge with you, everywhere you're going in the city that surrounds the convention center. And my guess is that they've placed these uh, readers, these uh, devices, around the city permanently, and they sit there all the time. And if you uh, have got one of their RFID chips that personally identifies you, and you go by this uh, device, it's recording you. So if you took your badge and let's say you left Salt Lake, which has conventions, and you fly down to Las Vegas, which has conve- conventions, and you happen to have your badge with you, it's going to be tracking you in Las Vegas too. That's my guess. I said, well, where's the company headquartered? And he said, well, Virginia. And I thought, hmm, who else is located in Virginia? Well, all our big three-letter agencies are located in Virginia. And if if you were a foreigner visiting one of, let's say, the uh, Consumer Electronics Store or convention, the Consumer Electronics Convention in Las Vegas, they might be very interested in what booths you visit and where you go and uh, track you around the city and the convention so I personally don't like the idea of being surveilled all the time. And if you don't, uh, this is just a heads up <laughs> with those convention badges. You may want to leave them in your room before you go out and about the city. All right. I have a good interview today with Andrew Vick. Also, I have one question. And also, I have a uh, review that somebody wrote on iTunes. I'm going to read that review right now. And this was uh, in September. A review came in from Stoogy91390. He says, very interesting info on sailing and travel. And it goes on to say, I'm one of the apparent horde of listeners who do not sail. I've been listening for several years and finally signed up for sailing lessons. 
My first lesson is this coming Sunday. Franz will get the credit or blame, depending on whether I love or hate actually sailing. His podcast is the most interesting and useful I have found with lots of detailed information and clear descriptions. Thanks, Franz. You know, these reviews that you guys write in iTunes mean a lot to me. And so far, I've got 86 reviews in iTunes. In America, I don't see the reviews as much in uh, iTunes if it's in Britain or Australia. But uh, I really, really, really appreciate anybody that goes into iTunes or your podcast directory and writes a review for the podcast. It means a lot to me. And also, it helps other people in identifying podcasts that they might enjoy listening to. Before we got into the questions and then on to the actual podcast, which is going to be half of my conversation with Andrew Vick on his summer sale in Croatia. We ended up talking for about an hour and 45 minutes, and I decided it just made sense to break it up into two different podcasts rather than try to get it all in one podcast. But So we're going to do half of it today and half of it next week. But before we get to that, let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping you with everything you need to sew for your boat, from bimini's and boat covers to upholstery work and even sewing your own sails. Sailrite is your one-stop shop for fabric, sail and canvas kits, tools, hardware and sewing supplies. Sailrite is also the maker of the patented Ultrafeed sewing machine, a portable heavy-duty machine that can handle all the sewing jobs for your boat and more. A passionate crew of DIYers, Sailrite produces high-quality, free how-to videos to empower their customers to turn their sewing dreams into a reality. Well, Sailrite is going to be at the Annapolis Boat Show next week. And if you like this podcast and you like Sailrite, swing by their booth and talk to them and tell them that you hear about them on this podcast, Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. Say hello to Matt Grant for me and wish him my best. I was hoping to attend the Annapolis Boat Show. In fact, I tried to contact the convention or the show and say, hey, listen, if you want me to do a presentation on sailing in the Mediterranean, I'd be glad to, but I never heard back from them. In fact, I made a couple phone calls, and they said that they would pass it along, and I never got a phone call back either. So if you're going to the Annapolis Boat Show and you see anybody that has any power at all at the boat show, suggest that they have me come out next year and talk about sailing in the Mediterranean. I would enjoy that, and it would be fun. I'm going to be giving a speech at my club here in Utah. It's a private club. It's called the Alta Club, the oldest men's social club, which now includes women, uh, this month. And I'm going to be actually recording the presentation I give at the Alta Club. You're not going to be able to see the slides, and there's so far about 67 slides that I'm presenting. And I'm hoping to get this done in about 45 minutes. We'll see if I'm able to do it. They may cut me off because... You know, we go, we have a few drinks, and then we have the uh, speaker for the evening, and then uh, and then we go out to dinner. So, first of all, they're going to be lubed up before they uh, before I start making my presentation. They may get a little rowdy if I go too long, and uh, they may cut me off. But I'm going to go ahead and try to record that and use that as one of my podcasts uh, in fu- in a future episode. I'm not sure when it'll get out there, but that's my plan. Also. If you have any events where you would like to have a show and tell about sailing in the Mediterranean, 
let me know. I like to make presentations and share my experiences with others. I did it once down in California, but that was a long time ago. I think it was, it was a, at the Redondo Yacht Club, the Redondo Beach Yacht Club. But I haven't done very many, and I enjoy doing that. So if you have an event where you'd like a presentation, yeah, let me know. Maybe we can work it out. Get ready for today's mailbag. I like getting emails from my friends out there. So if you have any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or questions, write me franz1 at medsailor.com or use the contact form at the website. Now for today's emails. This letter is from Chris. Chris wrote, I just discovered your podcast. It's terrific. My family of five are off on a seven-month sabbatical to sail the Eastern Med, beginning in April. At the end of this month, I'm off to Sibenik, or Shibenik, I think is the correct way of pronouncing it. That's in Croatia. To approve the purchase of a Lagoon 450, it passed the normal preliminary inspection, so I'm hopeful all will be well. Purchasing a boat in the Med has been a journey unto itself. I'm wondering about the fees for anchorages in Croatia. Is it possible to anchor fee-free, or is it the norm that all the anchorages have a charge? I'm referring to anchoring, not picking up a mooring. How much are these fees, and do you think they would be enforced in April and May? Thanks for any information you can provide. We are trying to pull an expense budget together so we know how much cash to have available for the trip, Chris. Well, Chris, I've I've sailed around Croatia a lot, and for the most part, I'm able to find free anchorages, and that's not always the case. The more protected the anchorage, the more likely you are going to have to pay for a mooring. And whether you anchor there or pick up a mooring ball, they're still going to charge you. So. If they're going to charge you, you may as well pick up a mooring ball. So as a general rule, the very well-protected anchorages, you're going to be, you end up paying a fee. And they'll come around and hit you up for a fee. For my boat, it's usually around 25 to 30 euros. Now, if it's settled weather and you don't have to have a fully protected anchorage, you can usually anchor for free. Now, I've, I've stayed at many places around... And quite often when somebody comes out and says, hey, you've got to pay here, I said, well, where, where can I go that I don't have to pay? How far does your concession extend? And they're usually pretty straight up about telling you if you anchor over there, you're not going to be charged. But if you anchor between there and here, and they'll give you some landmarks to look at, then you're going to pay, pay a fee. So I've spent most of my summers most of them without paying a fee for mooring. But every now and then, like I say, the more protected the anchorage, the more likely you're going to end up paying a fee. So for my boat, uh, $30. For your boat, you're probably looking 45, 30 euros, 25 to 30 euros. For your size boat, you're probably going to be looking uh, 40 to oh, maybe 55 euros. I'm, that's just a guess. Uh, there's a app out there called Navali, 
which will give you more information on the fees. There's also some websites that give you great detail and also a Google Earth overlay on what uh, what is uh, the concession, where the concessions are located. And I've got them on my computer at the office. I know Andrew Vick supplied some information and gave some links to that. You might check out his website, sailinggeja.com or geja.com. Anyway, there's a link to that. Uh, I'll put a link to his website in the show notes here. And you can go there. And also there's some – I'll see if I can find the other links that I can give you that give you more overlays that you can put on Google Earth, which will show you the actual concessions in Croatia. But uh, check out uh, Navali, the app Navali. That's a good source of information. And I'll see if I can get you the other links that will give you the uh, – the overlay that you can put on Google Earth. I actually reached out to the person that put this uh, overlay together, and I think he was uh, not a Engl- native English speaker, and he didn't want to come on the podcast because I tried to get him on the podcast, and he was not interested. So I hope that helps. Have a lot of fun sailing out there. Maybe I'll see you next year. I'll be working my way back from northern Italy and probably spend some time again over in Venice and then work my way down the coast. I'm not sure where I'm going to end up at the end of next summer, but my plan is to probably get back to the Ionian, the Ionian side of Greece and winter my boat somewhere around Provisa if I can make those arrangements ahead of time. That's sort of what's going through my head right now. It really depends on what my wife wants to do. Remember, I've been sailing over there for many years. There were a lot of years when my wife could not take as much time or any time to go sailing with me because because of her job as the uh, the nurse administrator at the newborn intensive care unit at IHC Hospital, which is the largest hospital in uh, in Salt Lake City and in Utah. And she had a staff of around I think 130 nurses that she had to manage, and that gave her no time for uh, for sailing in the summer. In fact, the company said flat out one summer, you're not taking any any vacations when they were all switching over to some ridiculous electronic medical record system that nobody likes at the hospital. I've talked to a lot of doctors and they uniformly hate this new system. They become data entry people instead of uh, medical care providers. And it's all about uh, government getting more and more information about your health records because they're the ones that have access to it and your insurance companies as well. Now, I'm getting a little bit of an editorial comment in here. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to say about Anchorages in Croatia. Thanks for the question. That's it for today's emails. If you have any thoughts suggestions or comments or questions write me franz1 at medsailor.com or use the contact form at the website if you want to do me a big favor you could become a patreon of the podcast i have a few listeners out there that are already patrons and i'm looking for more if you have some spare change that you could throw my way once in a while please sign up at patreon.com backslash medsailor and one more thing if you like the podcast I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast directory. All right, let's get on to today's episode.
Again, I want to really give a thank you and a shout out to my Patreons. I'm not going to name everybody that like I did last week, but I really appreciate you supporting the podcast. And I will call you out individually from time to time on the podcast. Again, I really appreciate your support. All right, let's get on to part one of my interview with Andrew Vick on his sailing season for 2019 in Croatia. Well, this week we're going to be having a continuing interview with Andrew Vick. Andrew's been on this podcast several times in the past, and we are going to catch up on what his summer sail was like uh, the summer of 2019. Andrew and I were going to try to meet up. We communicated with each other while we were both on the water, but my family was heading north quick, and he was heading somewhere else, and uh, we never did meet up. You are going to find out about his summer at the same time that I discover what his summer was like. So I'm on Skype with Andrew Vick. This is, I don't know, how many times is it? Four or five times we've talked to Andrew, and we still haven't met up personally. But uh, we're going to catch up on your summer sale, uh, summer of 2019 through Croatia, and, um, and whatever else comes up. So thanks for coming back. Yeah, yeah, happy to be here. I think it is probably the fourth time. The first one being, I think, episode number three, uh, years and years back. <laughs> Goes back a while. I, have, I feel yeah. like you're a good friend that I've never met. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll change that soon. We came pretty close this summer. Um, but anyway, just, just to remind people, yeah, I've, uh, I'm like you, an American guy out here on the West Coast from San Francisco. I have a, like you, kind of an older, smaller boat that uh, I keep in the med. been sailing around now. This is, this is my 12th summer over there. So. Well, uh, you know, you sent me your tracks, your KMZ files from from uh, Google Earth, and they're all up in front of my screen right now, and it's just like a uh, a child's uh, scribbling on a map. It looks like to me. So, so. especially as you zoom in closer to Trogir. So my boat's been based based in Trogir, actually. Ever I bought the boat in Pisa. It's an Islander 36 built here in California, but bought it in Pisa and. Ended up near Split, actually Trogir in Croatia at the end of that first season, and I've been kind of stuck there ever since. So, yeah, so when you zoom in on that uh, chart or a track file, there's a lot of scribbles, uh, you know, especially around Trogir as you zoom in closer. Yeah, I, so went, we, I, went by there, uh, I went by there this year, but I didn't go into Trogir, but I did have a couple friends fly. Well, my wife and daughter flew in and out of the Split airport, so I went right by it a couple times this summer. Yeah, if they flew in, though, how did they meet you then? Oh, they flew into Dubrovnik, and they flew out of Split. I so, see, I see. Yeah. yeah. So when we came over, you know, I've, I've, I sort of figured out that the easiest way for me to, to travel over to Europe is now to pick an airport that has a lot of service, uh, and especially if they have a direct flight from Salt Lake. So for me, the typical airports would be Amsterdam, uh, Paris, or London because there's a direct flight from Salt Lake to each one of those, and then just do a, an easy jet flight from there to wherever I happen to be going, and then then it doesn't lock me into a round-trip ticket from a location that's hard to get back to, because you have those open-jaw tickets, suddenly the prices start doubling and going yeah, yeah, from sure. there. Yeah. So so that's what I found. So we, my wife and I flew over to Amsterdam. We actually met with one of our listeners Jacques Tenk, who lives in the Netherlands, and then uh, and then we spent three days in Am- in Amsterdam, and then 
onto the boat to get the boat ready, and uh, that I'll talk about that in another episode. So, <laughs> you you headed over around the same time as I did, I think, this summer, didn't you? I think so. I think July sixth or so. I finally got on a flight and uh, went over. I'm pretty lucky, you know. The Trogear actually is where the split airport is, and in fact, the, when you're in the marina, you see all the planes. I mean, the planes fly pretty low overhead. As they you know, land, uh, the runway is right there. So that's been super handy for me. I can do West Coast to, you know, typically Frankfurt or Munich and then connecting to uh, to split. And usually with bonus miles or with United miles. So that's uh, that's worked really well for me. Really nice to just land and be just a you know, 10-minute Uber ride from the boat. Yeah, you've been going in and out of Troger for many years. Now, you did mention to me in passing, I think, in an email that uh, the, you, you don't get the same deal that you've been getting for years, so the price has gone up a bit for you at Trogear. Yeah, you know, there was, um, I kind of have a, I had a sweet deal for the first five or six years with some mechanics who were, you know, happy to do a lot of work on the boat, which was badly needed in the winter. So I had a great deal on berthing, or on a dry berth. Um, and then a brand new marina opened up next door to that marina, um, and I think you've been in there. You you went into the office and asked and dropped my name. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. They know one you. One time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and they since it was a new marine, I had I guess half off for the first two summers, and then it dropped to a third off for the next two summers. And this, I mean winters. And now this winter now is the first time I'm paying, you know, full price, which is actually about four thousand euros for an eleven meter boat for a one year dry <laughs> dry berth contract. So, yeah, that that was hard. So are you going to be looking around? You know, when I've gotten prices elsewhere, so I'm, you know, you hear all about, you know, people, you know, berthing in, uh, in Sicily for the winter at Ragusa, Licata, and, and, and other places are down in Corfu, Raguvia, or uh, Previza, I mean. And, um, you know, when you do it like I do, you're like, I'm really on the boat like less than two months. I come over, I'm fixing it up for a week or so, um, you know, I'm sailing for six weeks. I'm not, you know, I'm not using the boat more than two months, so... I need 10 months of storage, and so that's so September and June tend to get expensive. So, like the the bid from Ragusa, for example, was pretty much the same, factoring in that you know June and September they charge you quite a lot. Um, they're happy to give you a good price in January because you know it's only only the people who winter over. Um, so I'm finding that it's not that bad a deal, you know, when you look at the entire Med. Although you're up north now in Molfalcone or whatever Mont- it's called, Falcone, yeah, near Trieste about 10 miles away from Trieste up there. And and I got that heads up from a Dutch sailor I met last year. Uh, and uh, and he said, you know, and he was in Dubrovnik. We were in, both in Dubrovnik. And I was putting my boat up, and he was putting his boat in the water. And I said, where are you headed? And he said, I'm heading out to put my boat away for the winter into Mount Falcone. And I actually got an email from him last week because he went back to Mont Falcone. I guess that's how you say it, Mont Falcone. And uh, he saw that my boat was in the marina, and he wrote me an email saying, I, I recommended it, I see you're here, so, and here's your boat, by the way. So he sent me a picture of my boat and recognized it. So he's up <laughs> nice. in Montfalcone, and uh, it's about half of what Dubrovnik was for me. And uh, and and uh, it's it's uh, it's an industrial town. It's not a town you'd really want to go to just to go visit Uh the marina is uh, extremely well protected, and uh, they, there's very few <laughs> non-Italians up there, so uh, which is okay with me. But uh, it's it's a little different because um, 
Well, there's a marine store across the street from the marina, which I'm hoping to uh, not have to use very much, but you never know. And uh, so it'll be interesting. I got my invoice from them uh, a few, well, uh, last week uh, for the bill up until the end of uh, December. And that was 7,000 or 700 euros, 700 and some odd euros around that. And the only problem I have is, you know, I wanted to pay before I left. But they said, oh, no, 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 we'll send you an invoice and then you wire the funds. Well, it's difficult for Americans to wire funds overseas. They, uh, I use Schwab to wire funds, and they want all sorts of information. And the information they gave me was not enough information to wire funds. And so I sent a form back to them. I said, fill out this form, and I'll wire the funds <laughs> to you. I said, mm-hmm. alternatively, uh, let me call you up and give you my credit card number, and you can hit my credit card. Because that's the way you and I are used to paying for stuff. But, sure. Yeah. But anyway, they seem to want wire transfers more than credit cards in, in Italy in particular, I notice. So that's that's my one complaint. So I'm yeah. looking I'm looking at Trogear and I'm looking at all your uh, all your tracks out of Trogear and I've never noticed this before, but it's probably because I haven't zoomed in here. But I notice you tend to come out of the uh, head west out of the marina and take a left and go down to a little bay just just to the south and that tiny little bay, another bay inside the bay that seems like that's a popular spot for you to either stop off on your way out or stop off on your way in. And there is that cute little bay not far from Trogir, yeah, where it's uh, just fully protected, super easy to anchor. You know, it's not, it's, it's you know, it never fills up. Yeah, and the, yeah, I'll typically kind of spend even a couple nights there at the very end, sometimes alone, um, just to kind of chill out, relax, swim, uh, and just yeah, kind of de, yeah, decompress. You know, when I have all my buddies on board, it, you, we usually go kind of full speed or out late and uh yeah so you know it's a cute little bay it's what i think at like 25 minutes uh just yeah. motoring around it looks so. really close it looks like a very convenient bay to stop in at so yeah mm-hmm. even for an afternoon even if i'm coming in and i know i'm going to be in Troyer for the night i'll even yeah pop in there for the afternoon just to take a quick dip although that's common around croatia the nice thing about sailing there is yeah you, you're going to sail from point a to point b probably you have somewhere along the way where you can kind of you know, quickly just drop the hook and have some lunch and swim. So that's the way I usually do it anyway. All right. So let's talk about your summer sail. You got on in Trogir around the 1st of July. And did you have any major projects you had to do on your boat before you put it in the water? You know, yeah. So I usually give myself a week and, you know, a few days it has a normal sort of, you know, dehibernating the boat. And the other was just, yeah, it's always some little projects. I had my bilge pumps. I had to straighten out, uh, I've been wondering all these summers why I've been getting so much water coming into the boat just any time I've been underway. So I finally finally traced that down to being a my bilge pump discharge was, uh, you know, midship on the port side, you know, just above the waterline, you know, no big vented loop or anything. And then the check valve that had been installed wasn't working anymore. So, yeah, finally figured out that that's where all that water was coming from. So I rerouted the, the bilge pump discharge to the aft of the big high loop and, uh, Suddenly, I had a dry bilge, which was, yeah, wonder why it took me so long to figure that one out. Yeah, so. I, I started getting a lot more water in my, uh, in my bilge this year as well, and I kept trying to track it down and track it down and track it down. And, uh, and I discovered that uh, my, my sink in my galley, it, goes, it drains straight down through a sea, sea cock right underneath the, the sink, and the actual sink is barely above the water line. 
But what had happened over the years is that little basket that you connect to the bottom of the sink because the, the sink is is stamped, and then you have that the ba- the uh, drain that goes into the bottom of the sink that the hose connects to. That had just corroded out to where there was nothing there, and I didn't know I didn't notice it. It could have been that way for years, but this year I got under that and I said, "Oh, geez, you know, no wonder I have a wet bilge because." When I go on a heel, the water is just coming into the uh, into it and draining down and going into my bilge. So that was uh, one of the problems I had on board this summer. And uh, yeah, nice to discover the causes, isn't it? It is. It's it it put your uh, put your mind at rest. So yeah. So that was your main project. Was that for the summer? The bilge pipe, then, huh? It kind of took a day to reroute that uh, discharge hose and redo all the wiring. And I put in one of those new electronic switches because those float switches seem to go bad all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've got the big bilge pump that's a little elevated. And I've got this kind of this smaller little maintenance pump that's, uh, you know, all the way down. So, yeah, so I straightened all that out. You know, it's funny that those things take so much time. I probably spend a full day, you know, you have all your wiring and crimping things out and you got you know hoses out and you got to go buy some find a store to buy it and so but yeah but yeah everything takes longer on a boat you're up and down that ladder so many times but uh it pays off in the end just yeah nice to have a dry bilge were you by yourself or did you have anybody helping you you know for things like that i'm by myself but when my first crew comes the very first crew i usually have them commit a day or two just you know the other things you know getting the sails mounted and all that there are just certain things that are just you know easier with with more hands so yeah do you yeah. paint do you paint your bottom yourself or do you hire that out uh, i hire that out that's one thing i really hate i <laughs> I, I hate i hate painting bottoms of boats <laughs> okay, I've always done so, my own, so uh, that's I enlist my crew to do that. So, <laughs> yeah, and in fact, you know, I I'm I'm now I guess three seasons on the last paint job. I found out that when you use certain you know, these certain types of blade of paints, if you if you're only in the water like a, you know six seven eight weeks a uh, summer, you don't need to repaint. So I finally discovered that. So you know, I'm I'm on yeah, this is the third season on this paint job, and uh, comes out of the water great. What yeah, paint are you using, the if I could ask? Are you using the international paints? You know, it's, it's, I think it's a Danish brand called Hempel is what they kind of started putting on. Um, I forget the exact uh, product okay. name, but the brand is Hempel. It's, I think it's one of the bigger European brands. Okay. So, but gonna, it's ablative. Yeah. It's a soft paint. I'm going to have to do mine next year. My last time I did mine was in Turkey, and that was several years ago. And I used a Turkish paint, which I've always been really happy with the local Turkish paints because it's a, it's a good ablative paint. But the international paints you pay an absolute fortune for in Europe, I've noticed. So I'll I'll check Hempel out and see uh, see how that goes. So. Okay, so you also get multiple seasons because I was in the beginning. I don't know, maybe I was duped or something, but you know they wanted to paint every season. Yeah, yeah I guess they. Doesn't make any sense. They need sense. work in the winter. There's, it's not that busy in the winter, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I was kind of, I boat here and we have to haul out and paint, you know, every second year for a boat that's, you know, in the water all the time. And, um, but yeah, so, so I was until now, you know, painting every year, but I guess that, that was overkill, apparently. Yeah. Do you, do you sand it down when you, when you paint or do you just paint over the previous paint? Well, you know, they do it. So, you know, they're, they're sanding. Yeah, okay. They're, okay. They're definitely doing some sanding. That's the worst part of it, I think. That's probably why I don't like to do it. Or else it's that funny white suit you have to wear in hot weather. Yeah, I've always just painted over the previous paint, and that seemed to work for me for the last thirty years. So, 
it probably would be a good idea to actually sand down to the, uh, not to the gel coat, to the epoxy barrier that I've got there. But I, I don't know that I'll ever bother with that. So, it's... you know, I did have that done once. They did, you know, it's, uh, two seasons in, I did have them go down to uh, go down to gel coat and put some uh, epoxy barrier coat and things like that. But uh, I thought you meant it. I mean, of course, before you put on bottom, but you're always going to sand a little bit, do a yeah, light sanding, yeah, right? Just, just a light so. sanding, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I did take it down to down to minimum. Uh, so that was great. It's good to do that once in a while, especially if they've used hard paints in the past, right? Yeah, I've never used hard paint, so it's never been a problem of mine. So, okay, so let's continue with uh, you put the boat in the water. Where did you head? Where did the adventure start out at? I guess it was more like mid-July, probably 16, 17. So, yeah, I had a couple of young kind of party buddies with me. So they insisted on doing kind of the first week of a major party circuit. So... We actually followed the coast uh, down to Makarska, which is uh, quite a ways down if you follow the mainland. Um, Makarska is a nice, uh, nice big harbor, um, good party town. So, although we is that yeah, south we, of Split, then that's south of Split. Well, technically, yeah, it's down the coast. It's, it's yeah. more of an easterly direction. Yeah, but yeah. I also mm-hmm. say south. It's up and down the coast. Mm-hmm. So we did a bit of Makarska, then we sailed up the channel to Bull on the island Brach. That's mm-hmm. also a party spot. Bull has that famous sort of beach, that little gravelly peninsula beach that sticks out in, in all the postcards. Okay. Which I think they call it Zlatny Rat. That's what they call it. Okay, now let's see. I've got yeah, I've got all your stuff here open. I've got to zoom in and figure out where... Oh, there's Makarska. Okay, so from Makarska... You're heading down to, uh, I'm probably following a previous path of yours here. So. True, yeah, you don't have the 2019. <laughs> I should have gotten that to you. The Karska, by the way, is beautiful. I mean, there's 6,000-foot mountains just as a backdrop right behind the town. I mean, it's a stunning place. And you went right um, into the marina there, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's a town key. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, there is a little locals marina with some pontoons, but uh, visiting yachts stay on the on the town key. But yeah, it's a, a stunning spot. It's really beautiful. They have this little peninsula with a forest you can hike around, and um, and it's a fun party spot. So, but it's not that super charming. I mean, right where the key is. I mean, there are cars going by and everything, so it's not this sort of super charming Croatian experience. But um, still, totally nice. And, yeah. So I so, see. I see on one of your routes that you actually went into Samartin. Samartin across on Brock Island. Did you actually stay there for a night, or, you, or were you like me? You poked your nose in there and then came back out. Just like you. I think twice I poked my nose in there, and I don't know. It just didn't seem all that appealing. So, no, I just backed out again and kept on going. Yeah, I've never stayed in there, ever. Yeah, but I see you did stay at another little marina, or another little harbor, not really a marina, just just up the coast from that. It looks like there's a nice protected anchorage where you... Uh, take a line ashore back in there which i went right by and didn't even see that would have been a good spot to stop so yeah that's an awesome little bay it's um the other nice thing about it if it's very hot which it can be some summers mm-hmm. it's it's uh that bay is fed by a spring so actually at mm. nighttime it drops down into like the upper 60s which makes sleeping really comfortable even if it's been like crazy you know 95 fahrenheit you know it's uh it's cool at night there because of the springs and it's it's kind of neat. So some locals have put little uh, lines on a little cliff, so if you when you drop anchor, it's easy to kind of you know attach your your stern line to it hmm. to these little lines. So really cute little spot. On your way down, I guess you're going to be coming down the Adriatic at some point. Uh, that, that's one of my favorites. Top top five anchorage, I think. Really? Croatia. Okay. I mean, and I went yeah. right by it before, and I was looking for a place to anchor, and I was looking around from Sumatran, 
Sue Martin, and uh, it didn't look like there was really much along the coast there, but I didn't look behind me because we went around. We came all the way down, uh, uh, what is it? Is that Brock Island? That's Broch, yeah. Yeah, Broch. And uh, went right around there and didn't even didn't even look at it as I came by. So, yeah, it's sort of hidden back there, too. So you have to sort yeah, of look for it. It's a cute little it. spot. Yeah. Huh, okay. So from... Uh, from what was the name of this town? I got to zoom in. That's Makarska. Makarska. There we go. You headed. Is it continuing down? I guess is where you're headed down there. We then we kind of turned back towards Brach and sailed up to that town Bol. B O L. Okay. Bowl. And that's kind of and yeah. That that like I said, that famous beach. If you really zoom in, you'll see that beach really clearly on Google Earth, just west of the town. Okay, I just typed it in because sometimes it's harder to find it than it's worth. Okay, so that's on the uh, south side of the island there. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Bowl is super cute. I mean, de- definitely one of the one of the cuter spots in Croatia. And the harbor is horrible. They need a seawall because, I mean, it's completely open, you know, for miles and miles to the south. I mean, the, the fetch between there and the island of Var is... Uh, it's yeah, a long it's, ways, yeah. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I think half the time I've been there, I've been kind of really rushing out in the morning because it's just, it's just gotten too rough. It's either the, there's a catamaran ferry that comes through, and they, have, they pick up these big, long, deep, you know, long-period waves, and that really rocks you around, and um, just all the other boats. And if you have some funny weather, that also gets, yeah, yeah they need a seawall. The place is not, not protected, but it's fun. There's an amazing bar just like, 150 feet from where you where you moor your boat so okay but that's always nice so is that a party spot then that's a that's definitely a kind of a that, it's not a yeah it, it's enough it's it's a good <laughs> amount of parties not not notorious by any means but uh, my buddies liked it all right so and i tell you this first week was the party week these guys my buddy uh my buddy henrik says no we're gonna we're going all out start the season with a bang so when do you start okay I'm an old guy. I, it doesn't really appeal to me to start at 1 in the morning partying. When do you guys go out and start partying? Hmm. I mean, in most cases, a town like this, um, you know, prime time is probably like 11 to 2 or something. Okay. And most bars, like in the towns in Croatia, I mean, they do shut down primarily at 2, 2 a.m. Because okay. they are sensitive to the people who live nearby. Some towns will have maybe a nightclub. You know, a little bit outside the town where it won't disturb people as much. And then those are open till five or, or even later. Okay. So, so you're coming home around two. two you're coming home around two in the morning, then, as a general. I'd say, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have an after party. You meet some people, and you come back to the boat and have a couple more drinks, and then maybe it's. And then you see that the sky is starting to get lighter because the sun is about to rise, <laughs> which is very early in Croatia. And then that's a good sign. Oh, because you, know, you can't sleep in by nine a.m. You're, it's too hot. It's too the hot. Boat, right? You've got to get get up, or you got yeah. It's too too hot down below. You've got to be moving. And I noticed this summer was particularly hot. How how did you feel about it? Well, there was a period in uh, first half of August. Yeah, it, it it got a little hot. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I gauge it by what I sleep in. So a few nights I actually needed a blanket. Most nights it's just with a simple sheet, and then some nights it's it's with nothing. It's yeah. like you just don't even want to sheet on you so it's a little mix of all of that but yeah there there's there's some hot days for sure now do you find that you are bothered by mosquitoes like i am yeah i mean mosquitoes are definitely kind of an issue you know this year i noticed it i, I didn't have that many on the boat it was very very minimal but some some summers yeah mosquitoes have been uh yeah definitely annoying yeah 
Yeah, I found you get these, them a lot. Yeah, I think think they go after me. Uh, so I I found that I always put mosquito repellent on before I go to bed, and then that usually gets me through most of the night. And then around three in the morning, they'll start attacking me again, and then I'll have to put it on again. So yeah, it bothers me. But uh, mm-hmm. but I noticed the mosquitoes itch for a short period of time. The bites itch for a short period of time, and then they don't itch again. So it's not like some mosquitoes where they itch for days and days and days. I just notice these mosquitoes, they bite you. They itch for a while, and then you sort of forget about them until you get uh, bit again. So. Yeah, to me, it's uh, I don't even really feel it. I'll look at my leg. Hey, there's a little couple of red splotches. And, uh, but, I mean, I don't notice otherwise. So, yeah. I mean, the worst for me is just hearing them, you know, buzzing around. All right, so from Bull, you're heading down the coast then, is that right? Yeah, so my main, yeah, the main route is uh, down to Dubrovnik. Um, so from Bull, we, yeah, we sailed around to Var Town, of course. Remember, this is party week. And mm-hmm. I tell you, I'm looking at my little track, you don't have it, but it was around July 19th, I was in Bull. This was a time where we maybe had a chance of meeting, because I know you were coming up the I coast. I was coming up the um, coast, yeah, and you were headed down the coast. Yeah. yeah, and you know when my my buddies were on the you know on the on the party tour, and uh, yeah, we just didn't figure out. Actually, by July nineteenth, we were all the way up to Sibenik, or we were, were in very close. Time, yeah, yeah, we had already passed at that point in time. So you were coming around there, and I was going up, uh, and we went by way of Havar. So you were coming behind us as we went up at that point in time. My mother passed away this summer, and that was on July seventeenth. And we were just, we were south of uh, Troger at that point in time when, when she passed away. And then we headed up to, uh, to say, I remember that date. That's the day I remember a specific anchorage uh, because I got that, that bad news. And, uh, you know, and uh, then we, so we had already passed each other by that point in time, it looks like. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's shocking news to get when you're. You know, it was. Off. It was not. I mean, it. it she was. Uh, she was an older woman. She passed peacefully, and you can't ask for more than that. And but you just have to decide what do you do in a situation like that. Do you drop everything, put your boat in the marina, and come home? Fortunately for me, I had uh, my daughter and my wife with me, and we talked about it. And I called my sister up, and and so. My mom did not want a funeral service. She wanted a memorial. So we're going to be having her memorial in October. And so mm-hmm. so I didn't have to feel like I had to come back for that. So. But that yeah, is... I do sometimes. I ponder yeah, scenarios like that myself sometimes. Yeah, that did yeah, happen yeah. with my, my, sis, my wife's sister passed away while we were in Turkey one summer. And she, she, she dropped everything and flew home. But, of course, she didn't have to worry about the boat. I just sent her home, and I was continued on sailing the boat but mm-hmm. uh you know when you have a boat to when you have a boat and future crews already arranged boy that can really throw uh, throw everything in order because i'll you know out of out of whack because all these people have already bought their air tickets they have specific uh locations they're going to to meet you and I'm, i mean everybody would understand i'm sure but it's uh, it's an awkward situation to be put in Sure, sure. Wow. Yeah, well, you, you kept on going. So. Yeah, we did. We gave it a, we thought about it long and hard for a few days, and then I talked to my sisters, and they said, no, there's no reason to come home. We'll have a memorial. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, she, right. she, and you had close family nearby. You had close family on your boat with you. Yeah, and that, that was good. That was good. Yeah. 
So, so you okay. are headed south then. So from so you headed out to Var at that point in time. You said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next stop was uh, hanging around Var. You know, we like to get right into Var Town, right in the middle of the action, and uh, ended up being there. I guess we were three nights there. Um, that's uh, that's where you pull into the into the port, and uh, you know, on the right side are all the mega yachts, kind of along the main quay, and on the left side is uh, kind of a mooring field where you take a buoy and then you take a couple of vines to shore. Okay, and okay. They, they kind of pack them in into the main harbor. So actually you're going in, you go in a circle. You went all the way, you went all the way around. Uh, did you go up Brock and then come down on the top of Havar then? Is that what you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you went around. So then Var, yeah, Var is usual. Var is chaos. Var is just, it's just, you don't sleep there either. Even if you want to, you're, you're <laughs> not going to sleep. There's just so much boat traffic. Uh, you know, it's not well protected when you're in that mooring area. So any kind of seas, I mean, if there were no town there, you wouldn't anchor there because it's just, you know, it's not, it's not great. So yeah, the waves kind of roll in. You're in constant motion, but uh, it's worth it because Var is kind of the, <laughs> the top spot there. It's just beautiful. The surroundings are beautiful. Um, yeah, it's good party vibe. People all over the world are there. It's got a backpacker element. Um, yeah, it's kind of got it all. So, so now when you go into VAR, do you do you what? What are you doing? Are you grabbing a, a mooring? Are you tying up to the dock? And if you are tying up to the dock or to the key, how early do you have to get in there to do that? You know, July and August, you're probably not going to get a spot on the key. Um, Okay. So, so to starboard is, yeah, the key where you can actually mm-hmm. attach to shore, get water power. But, yeah, on the left side of the harbor, as okay. you pull in, uh, they have mooring buoys. Right. They arrange it. Okay. Um, so you, you grab a buoy off your bow and you take two stern lines. You can't back up very close, though. You, you're still probably about 60 feet off because it gets too shallow. So you're using your dinghy to kind of get that in and out at 60 feet. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it. And I see lots and lots of... Uh, Multicolored lines in and out of VAR here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a popular spot, you know. And sometimes, I mean, some of my crew would be happy just spending the whole week there. You know, so sometimes I have to pry them out of there. <laughs> so it's fun, and I love it too. But you know, really, like two, three nights max. I mean, three. You got to get out. You got to go get some rest. It's just. Do you need to make reservations chaotic. before you pull in there, or do you just pull in there and, and grab a, a mooring buoy? Um, there's kind of a trick to that. Um, I find about 11 a.m. is the time when, you know, the, the, the previous night's people are leaving, but the next people haven't come yet. That's kind of this little golden window where okay. you can snag a buoy. Um, of course, if it's, if it's Friday or Saturday, even Sunday, you know, you know for us, for it. us cruisers who aren't charters, I mean, Friday, Saturday is, is amazing. All these towns you say are impossible to get into. You have to get there super early. If that, you know, Friday and Saturday, you're in as a cruiser because you know all the charter boats are back at base you yeah. know, turning over yeah 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 that's true and that's uh, and i i actually went into sibinic whatever the marine is in sibinic and i came in on a friday but because my boat was small enough i got in but otherwise the whole fleet was coming in at the same time so yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah and they'll tell you no way if you call ahead they'll say no way but sometimes you know some people do charter boats for two weeks so that particular boat may not come back you know? right mm-hmm. so then you might have an opening or two the you know the, the marina staff usually doesn't really keep track of that but the the charter guys usually know if they have you know, the empty spot or two on their on their pontoon so okay yeah so yeah so a few nights in var nice thing in var you know you 
if you do want to get water, if you get over to the key at like 10 in the morning, they will let you tie up and grab water. So, Okay, so. okay. You can just temporarily pull up and grab some water if you need to then. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty cool about that. No charge. So at least I've never been charged. Okay. So. And when you're saying VAR, I would say HAVAR, but you're saying VAR, you just drop the H on it then. Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of these funny Croatian pronunciation things. I guess if you really say it right, it's called HAVAR. You can't, it's, it should be one syllable. It shouldn't be Havar, but it's hard to say it the way they do it, this HV sound together, like Vala, you know, the thank you is Vala. So I find it takes too much energy to say Havar, so I just say Var. <laughs> okay. So I don't say Havar, that's, uh, but, you know, that works too. It all works. Okay. Well, just for our listeners, that they may, they may be trying to follow around on Google Earth and they're searching for Var and they're not going to find Var. So, yeah, so when I say VAR, it's H-V-A-R. Right. All right, so from there, where did you head? Yeah, I had a little crew change. We swapped a, a younger Swedish guy for a bit of a not-so-young Swedish guy, and we uh, just kept on going down the coast. You know, we, um, and now it was time I really, I, I was done. I think, you know, when you're out that late that many nights in a row, you're just, I mean, I was feeling <laughs> symptoms of the cold. I was like, you know, sniffling, I was coughing. I mean, it, it, it takes its toll. I, I'm over 40 now, too, so I probably don't have quite the stamina I used to. So, yeah, feeling symptoms of a cold, you know. Uh, so we were going to, the second week was going to be just kind of a little more mellow, find a lot of anchorages. So we, yeah, we sailed around. We, yeah, so we kind of made our, our way south, you know, stopped in Vela Luca on Corchula, which is, it's an okay spot. Uh, yeah, it was just convenient. I, I stayed there last year for the first time, and, it's. I wouldn't make an effort to go back there again, but you know, it was it was a nice anchorage one time. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's always space. You know, it's a friendly enough little place. You mm-hmm. know, it's not stunning. It's not overly cute, but you know, it's it's still cool. Of course, it's July. So I mean, the night we were there, there was a big town festival. So okay, and and mostly locals, right? So so that was that's always fun to experience. Um, continued down to Corchula Town. Okay. I actually so. got stuck in the main town of Corsula for three nights. We had a couple of days of bad weather. Sort of. Did you go to that there. little anchorage around the corner, or did you go into the ACI Marina there? You know, I, that's one place I will actually splurge on the ACI Marina. I don't like that anchorage. I think it's, well, they charge you for it, for one. Right. And it's kind of a hike to get into town. You, know, you, may, you may dinghy in, but then it's, I don't know, a 10-minute walk or something over to town. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. We get kind of spoiled in Croatia. You're used to, you know, being moored or birthed, you know, right in the right in the thick of things, right in the center. So, someone says, "Oh, you have to walk ten minutes." You know, you start saying, "What?" So, you're so used to everything. Just you know, every su- there's you know, everything's within like a thousand foot radius of you when you when you stay on the main key. You know, mm-hmm. every supermarket, restaurant, cafe, bar, swimming area. You're, that's the beauty of Croatia too. Everything is is so intimate and, and central compared to say a big marina in Italy where you know. You spend five minutes just walking out the pontoon oh. to the main gate of the marina. Yeah, you know? tell, tell me about it. I never even got out of a marina I was in last summer because I said, I, I don't want to walk that far. You start looking at yeah. the uh, the layout of the marina, and that's like a two-mile walk just to get out of the marina into the town. It's like, oh, jeez, mm-hmm. give me a break. So, okay, yeah. so. Uh, yeah, so we were in ACI Marina three nights, um, and I tell you, when we checked out, I didn't quite expect it. It was the equivalent of $100 U.S. per night for my little, little boat. And my yep. boat is 36 feet, just <laughs> yes. under 11 meters. And I know the, I mean, marinas are too, generally expensive, but I'm thinking more like, you know, the 80-euro range. I mean, this is full-on like 92 euros or something. Yeah, but you split it with your crew probably, didn't you? We split it. We split it three ways. We yeah. do, yeah. 
Yeah. And it's also a good opportunity. I had a bit of a diesel leak. Um, the uh, return line from the motor to the tank uh, actually had a leak in it, so I had a had that line replaced when I was there. So it was kind of convenient, and took a taxi to a big wine festival in the middle of the country, in the middle of the island. Did you uh, hire a mechanic to do that, or did you do that yourself? You know, I, I hired a mechanic. You know, I didn't. They were the only ones in town anyway who even sold the hose. So I mean, they came in and just swapped it in for oh, okay. fifteen minutes and charged me. I don't know. They they did did one other thing. I think they charged me about 40, 40 U.S. dollars for about half an hour of work. So okay, so, yeah, it was right there. It was painless. I pulled in. They just came to the boat, took care of it. So so three nights in Corchula. Okay, cool. Yeah, we had enough. It's you know, Corchula is great, but I don't know, maybe maybe two nights and have a full day in between. It's it, it is cool. It's very pretty. You can wander around. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of the. Well, and the nice thing when you're tied up at a marina, you just come and go as you please, where you don't have to worry about dinging people back and forth or, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, you have this independence, right? When you're anchored yeah. out, yeah, everyone has to coordinate. We all have to be ready at the same time, pile in the dinghy, and be ready to come back to shore at the same time. So. Which even gets trickier when you're in a party spot. Some people like to come back to the bar earlier than others, and so, so, so yeah, marina's fine. Yeah, you, it's, and once in a while, you just you need to rinse your boat off. Mm-hmm. Of course, the rain did it for us in this case, but you know you want to top off your tanks. You know, nice sometimes with a real shower. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. So kept going south down to Millette. Did uh, you spend uh, some time in the national park again? You know, we were on the west end, not all the way west on Millette. But um, a place called Palace, and we actually didn't pull in. I, I've heard they're charging now. If you stay anywhere on that sort of western tip of Milliet, they're going to come and charge you an additional like 400 kuna or whatever, $60, just yeah. for being in the so-called national park. Well, it's interesting. I pulled it off this summer. I, I sort of expected to be charged. I pulled in there and tied up, and, and I saw the uh, national park boat go by and look over, but they never came by and collected any money. For, so I felt like I committed a caper this summer on that one <laughs> you know they ignored me too you know so we pulled in we didn't go all the way into you know palace is that really kind of landlocked little bay with a few restaurants whereas pulmena is the one way out on the west tip i'm not sure which one you were in right i was actually in uh in polos palace yeah palace i guess is how you say it and yeah. uh you, where, where did you go was that where you were at you know, I moored about a mile east of the town. You know, there's that little cluster of islands, and it's so yeah. protected. You you often see a lot of mega yachts in mm-hmm. there because it's just full on all around protection. So, and I wanted to just we we'd been three nights in Corcho. I just wanted to be in the most remote place we could be. So we found just a really nice little spot, put the anchor down, took a line to shore, and that's so nice, right? You mm-hmm. you got these trees right behind you. You got this clear water, and there's and, lots uh, and, of places to anchor in through there too. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. So we found a nice little spot. There was one mega yacht, maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred feet away from us. They were also, you know, stern tied like we were. And and the guards came and visited them, I presumably took their money, but they ignored me. I mean, maybe it's maybe they feel for us with our older boats. They don't want to take our money. Oh, as it should be. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. So funny thing was, you know, we we're there, we moored, you know, we're just enjoying and swimming. Uh, then suddenly, you know, a couple of girls appear in this uh, sea kayak. And they asked if they can come aboard. So they, they came over. I guess they were bored on their 150-foot mega yacht that they'd rented for the week with their family. And so they came over, and they had beer with them, and they kind of just came on board and offered us beer. Cool. Cool. Yeah. They brought the beer with them? They brought the beer, yeah. They had this little funny cloth bag, and I could hear glass clinking in there. And I said, oh, damn, nice touch, not only visiting us, but bringing beer, too. So 
Well, that's rare. That's a that's a that's a sailor's dream right there. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. I mean, obviously they were bored. They're on this big fancy yacht. It, it's so sterile, and I'm sure it's nice. I mean, they get served, you know. But yeah, you know, they look over at a little primitive boat of mine. But uh, those guys are living life. We're just sort of being taken care of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was nice. They hung out for a couple hours, and yeah, then they paddled back. And uh, they said though they're not allowed to take any visitors uh, on their boat. That's like a rule of the of their charter. Really? Like yeah. So which they were angry about. They, you know, they're, they're meeting people out and about. Yeah, I'm sure they might have liked to invite us over later, uh, you know, potentially. But just to see the boat, that would have been cool to check it out. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. neat. So you, uh, so one, two nights there, or how many nights did you? We spend? had one night there. Yeah, okay. one night in uh, middle of nowhere is, is good. Kept going east down the coast, followed the island. Put the yeah, we had spinnaker up for the first time. Ah, uh, so yeah. Nice. I did not get. I had like two days of decent sailing last summer. The rest hmm. of the time, it seemed like I was motoring all the time. So, yeah. So you know, I I, I track actually every day. I do a little log where I record how far we went where you know and then and i record also what portion of the distance we uh we covered with just the sails and this year it's been as high as 60 percent some seasons and hmm. as low as 40 uh this year i think it came up at about 54 percent okay well you must have had better wind down there than when i was than the places i was at so okay so did you head down to uh ukuchi or uh did you stay another night on Milliet we Island? We left Milliet. We left Milliet and veered a little more towards the um, the mainland. And okay, I don't, even, I don't even know. There's a cluster of islands there. We were kind of navigating around, just having fun. And we found yeah, down at the very harbor. bottom, down at the very bottom of uh, that peninsula, sort of thing, around Stone. And is that where yeah, you're cl- close to Stone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, we found just just a little. I mean, there's an infinite number of places you can. Yeah, you know, stern tie. So. So again, we had a nice night out, natural harbor. We did get this annoying wind in, uh, during the night. It wasn't exactly, maybe it was a light bore. We had about 15 knots. But you know, when you have your anchor out and you have your two stern lines ashore, the worst thing is if you get just this broadside wind. Yeah. And there's only 15 knots, but it was enough. You know, the anchor, it's, it's not used to being kind of strained that way. Your anchor wants to be kind of straight pulled out. straight back, mm-hmm. right? You always want your boat kind of lined up with the wind, so... And we kind of shifted a little bit and got a little bit uncomfortably close to the rocks. So I was kind of, because we, you know, we were stern-tied, and you know, you're not too far off the shore when you're stern-tied like that. So not a restful night, but everything held. It did, but it was just, yeah. You were up on anchor watch, it sounds like, then. I was getting up now, and I didn't sleep a whole lot. But every time I got up, we were exactly in the spot we were. So, I mean, I think maybe the chain had just kind of stretched out as far as it could, and the anchor was, was, was doing its job. It was, it was dug. The amount the chain stretched out, yeah. you know, just kind of had us rotate a little bit. And you know, I've never closer anchored, than I would have liked. You know, I've gone, I've gone by that group of islands there, and I see a lot of people anchored there. But I've never anchored in that group of islands. I've gone over to Sla, or was it Bonchi? Bonchi. Let me look at the zoom. Let me zoom in on here. Uh, yeah, this is a little town of uh, of uh, Port Janska is what it's showing on Google Earth and, and anchored there. But that's a very, very deep anchorage, about 80 feet deep. So, Ooh. yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice, cool place to swim because there's some freshwater springs that cool down the whole area around there. But the anchorage is, uh, is particularly deep. And, uh, but there was no wind, so I wasn't really too worried. So I've stayed there a night. And then I've gone up to uh, Ston. 
And on the way up Ston, there's a lot of anchorages just along the way up that sort of canal up to Ston that you can anchor as well. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I've never been up there, actually. Somehow, I don't know, sometimes I guess I prefer just staying out kind of in the outer islands, always a little cooler. But, yeah, i got to get up to Ston sometime. Yeah, it's worth going so. to if you haven't been there before. It's fun to walk from there over to uh, the other side, which is Mollystan. Uh, to get to Mollystan, you'd have to come all the way around that peninsula and way back down there. Uh, and you'd hardly see any cruising sailors ever do that. But from Ston, you just walk across to get to Mollystan. And, yeah, it's worth doing. So put that on your list maybe for next summer if you're coming back. Yeah. Down. They have this, some walls, right? They have some. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can walk way up. Of course, you can go by the road, which is a nice, easy walk. Or you can walk the walls, which take you way up. And, you know, you're probably climbing up and down about mm, 1,000 feet to get up to the top of this hill and then down the other side versus just taking the, the road, which is just a pleasant walk along the road. So we, we uh, hiked over on the wall one time and then walked back on the road. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's, you know, if you haven't done the wall, you got to do the wall one time. Yeah, I better get up there yeah. at some point. Yeah. yeah. So we've had, what, two nights kind of like really isolated anchorages, you know, nothing. And that, so that's so we had our detox. We kind of rejuvenated, refreshed. We got our sleep. So uh, next stop was in uh, Dubrovnik, actually. You're, oh, you're heading, heading down to the party spot. So where in Dubrovnik do you stay? Do you stay in the town marinas or do you stay up the river at ACI Marina? My favorite is to anchor right outside the main... Uh, the main old town. Really? Uh, right off the port there, yeah, the, the old seaport. Wow. In, in right, by the, weather, right, right by the wall? Right under the walls, yeah. It's the most amazing spot. It's not super protected. Um, you need pretty calm weather for it to be comfortable. Uh-huh. Even then, you know, in the daytime, you have a lot of, you know, kind of tourist boats going by, picking up a little wake. But it, that's the spot to be. You know, it's about super easy anchoring, you know, nice sandy bottom, six meters or so. So you're swinging. Um, you know, easy ding a ride right into the old port there. Hmm. And that's absolutely my favorite, favorite spot. Yeah, to, I see. And, I, and I'm and i looking at your routes, and you, it looks to me like you've anchored there one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times over the years. So, yes. <laughs> and, and now I'm more. <laughs> and I've never done it once, so I'm going to have to try that next year on my way back down then. If the weather's settled, that is, you know, when you get waves... Kind of your typical Mistral, you know, the waves coming down from the northwest, they can wrap around and make mm-hmm. it a little uncomfy. If you have the Scirocco, right, the, the more of the southeast one, then it's really not nice. Yeah. We had actually, a couple of the nights, we had a pretty strong Bora, and the Bora blows pretty strong in, in that area. It's right. just really falling off that hill. So we were getting blasted. You know how the Bora comes, it just has these gusts. That's, you know, it's like someone's punching you in the gut, and it just kind of comes like that. And it's not a steady and, wind. And you had no problem with your holding of your anchor? Yeah, holding was fine. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Yeah, I have 20 kilo Bruce. You know, it's not one of these fancy rock nose or anything, but you know, the bottom there is all sand, and it's yeah, super good holding. Okay, okay. So, but we did go around, so we spent a night or two there, but then we did backtrack around to the uh, eight, up to your previous winter base, the okay, ACI, ACI Marina. Marina. Okay, uh-huh. Just to kind of, sometimes you just need to. Sometimes, you know, of course, you got to fill water tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, Clean up and, yeah, yeah. You got to pull into a marina once in a while, but not too often, fortunately. So, yeah, and I had a sail. I actually managed to get a little tear in my mainsail, so I had the sail guy there kind of fix me up. Okay, so, that was great. You pull in. I called ahead. He said, "Yeah, yeah, just give it to us." You know, that afternoon he had it. You know, back in the morning, so that was super convenient. Have you ever taken your dinghy up the river from the marina? 
No, I never have. What's that like? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It, it uh, you can go all the way up to where the the whole river comes out of the uh, the mountain because that whole river is is just a huge spring coming out the side of the mountain, and you can't quite get up there. They block you off before you get there, but. Uh, it gets cooler and cooler water as you go up, and the current gets stronger and stronger as you go up. And, and your sailmaker is right along the way there. The North Sail sailmaking loft is right along the river, uh, mm-hmm. just up that river from ACI Marina. That's, what, that's the reason we went up there one time, is we wanted to take our drifter up there and drop it off and have some work done. So we just said, well, let's just take it up to him. So we took the, threw it in the dinghy and motored up the river and got off the dinghy and hauled it into him. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Huh. It's funny about the water temperature, even in the marina. I noticed when I was, you know, went to the kitchen, I'm know, washing my hands or some dishes or something. I noticed the water coming out of my faucet, you know, was, was really cold. And my tanks are down below, like, you know, mm-hmm. right on right under the settees in the salon, right? And and then I looked at the water temperature on my on my little gauge, and the water temperature was 17 degrees, which I think is 62 Fahrenheit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You jump in the water there, and you know it's cold water when you jump in up there. So I had no idea because just down the river, you know, out more in the open, I mean, the water was is like 80 degrees, right? Mm-hmm. It's 27 Celsius, and here it was 62. It was such a difference. And I tell you what, it was also great for sleeping. It was it was kind of warm that period when I was in Dubrovnik, yeah. But at night, it was so pleasant and comfortable. It was the best sleeping weather. I mean, that alone, I would go into that marina for just to have a guaranteed night of, of cool temperatures. Yeah. Well, you know, you can anchor just outside of the marina, too. You don't have to True. go into the marina. And I've, and the day we went up there, we'd come back from, uh, from Montenegro. We cleared in Sovtot. And, uh, and uh, that guy that you know there you know, told us that there was a big bore projected for that night. And I'd looked at my weather forecast, and... It didn't tell me anything about Abora because my plan was just to go around the other side of Sovtot and anchor for the night. And I've been there in a, in a Bora before, and I did not want to be there again because it was a miserable night. So I mm-hmm. said, well, let's just head back up to uh, ACI Marina. And so we drove up to, you know, motored on up to ACI Marina. As we were heading up the river, the Bora hit, and it just built and built and built and built. And we dropped outside of the marina, which is really good, deep mud, strong holding and just swaying there all night long. And the next day we went into the marina, and they said, oh, you couldn't have come into the marina last night because it was too windy. We closed it off. We weren't allowing people into the marina when the winds are that strong. All right, I'm going to cut this uh, portion of the interview off with Andrew Vick right there, and we're going to listen to the rest of it next week. I'm going to try to enlist your help in keeping this podcast going. I've been producing this podcast since January 23rd, 2012, and it's been a labor of love and, (laughs) for the most part, a non-monetized labor of love, and I need some sponsors. So if you are interested in helping me keep this podcast going, I would like to encourage you to think about and perhaps recommend companies or people who you think might be sponsors of this podcast. And let me give you a little bit of information which would help bolster the argument that they should sponsor this podcast. This podcast has been in continuous production since January 23rd, 2012. It's the oldest continuously running sailing podcast out of the 500,000 plus podcasts available in the iTunes directory. So far, there's been more than 425,000 downloads of this podcast. This podcast reaches a worldwide audience. 
the top countries are the United States and then Great Britain and then following that Australia. So primarily the English language countries. 56% of our listeners are 45 to 54 years old and 43.3% of our listeners are 55 to 64 years old. So this is a mature, affluent listener audience. 68.1% are men and 38.2% are women. This is a very strong community. I get quite a few emails from listeners and I try to engage with the listeners and get people on that they want me to interview. So if you write me a letter and you say, hey, you might want to talk to this person, I always try to reach out to the person you suggest and try to get them on for a podcast. So it's it's a fairly tight community. I consider my listeners my friends. So who should be interested in sponsoring this podcast? Well, this target market is a highly affluent boating community. And in 2016, the recreational boating market in the United States alone amounted to $36 billion. So people or companies who should consider sponsoring this podcast would be yacht charter companies, water sports apparel companies, boat equipment manufacturers, boat safety equipment suppliers, sailmakers, boat accessories such as eyeglasses, hats, and so forth, boat builders, and travel agencies, and anybody that's trying to market to this very specific niche community. I have more information available at the website, and I'm willing to talk and meet with anybody personally that's interested in being a sponsor for this podcast. Just write me, franz1 at medsailor.com. And I would really appreciate your help in keeping this podcast going. The website is www.medsailor.com or simply medsailor.com, M-E-D-S-A-I-L-O-R.com. Thanks. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing.